the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message that you are about to hear will encourage and equip all who have ears to hear to be Christians, clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, today's message is the second in a series of seven concerning the church that Jesus built. As in our previous message, our prayer is that we will be able to reason with some in our audience concerning the facts about this church that is so clearly revealed in the scriptures. As we reason with you that Jesus did in fact build a church, and that the church he built in the first century is still with and among us to this very hour, we will not appeal to any document as proof of this except the Bible. Of course, as you would expect, the very purpose of presenting all of this is an attempt to persuade you to be part of that church revealed in the Bible. Those things that will be presented to you in this message and the five that follow will expose and correct many doctrinal errors believed, taught, and practiced in today's denominational Christendom. If you are not a member of any religious group, these broadcasts will be your most and perhaps your only opportune moment to get your Christian walk started on the right foot. If you are a member of some religious group that cannot trace its beginning to the first century, this will perhaps be your most opportune moment to get the direction of the religious walk you are on corrected and rerouted in the right direction. And if you have already become part of the church that Jesus built, we are praying that that which is shared with you in these messages will instill in your heart an even greater love for the living, holy body of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will someday return for his blood-bought bride, as she is described in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, and Acts 20, verse 28. In any case, we are praying that he who has an ear will hear what the Spirit says through the inspired Word of God. But to do that, you will need to listen with your Bible open. Let us begin in this hour by noting that the word church first appears in the New Testament scriptures in Matthew 16, verse 18, where Christ made the following prophetic promise, I will build my church. His prophecy would be fulfilled only a few months after he spoke those words to the apostle Peter. It would take place on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This church that Jesus said he would build, and did build, would be the greatest, grandest, and most glorious living organism in the world. And yet, because of denominationalism, this church is perhaps the most greatly misunderstood organism in the world, even by some persons who profess to have membership in her. This misunderstanding and ignorance about her is the result of a religiously divided world that is composed of conflicting denominations with conflicting doctrines that are foreign to the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the only solution to this deadly and damning division is an honest, unbiased return to the only truth we have concerning the church that Jesus built. The Bible. In today's broadcast, we begin by first establishing what the church is. Many people have no idea what the church even is. The words church and churches appear 113 times in the New Testament scriptures. Except for one of those 113 times, each appearance of this word is a translation of the Greek word ekklesia which is actually a compound word. The first part of ekklesia is ek, meaning out of, and the second is klesis, meaning to call. When both parts are combined, ekklesia means to call out of, and so the word church actually means to call out of. Those who are members of the church are the called out ones. They have been called out of something. From what they have been called out of will be noted shortly. It is also important that we recognize that this Greek word, ekklesia, also carries with it the idea that those who have been individually called out then become part of a large assembly of called out ones called the church. Again, before we note what it is that church members have been called out of, let us here make an important point to those who are unschooled in all of this. It is common to hear people refer to certain buildings as being the church. Someone passes a building in which people meet for religious worship and they are heard to say something like this, Isn't that a beautiful church? Or, Isn't that a large church? People refer to the building where people assemble as the church. The Greek word ekklesia in Holy Writ never refers to a building, 
but always to an assembly of people. In our culture, this assembly can meet anywhere, but it usually meets in a building. The assembly of the called-out ones is the church, not the building. As used in our present discussion, ecclesia refers specifically to the called-out assembly of Christ's people, Christians, the church that Jesus built. Jesus used this word in Matthew 16, verse 18, when he said to Apostle Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church. It would be correct to translate his prophetic statement, Upon this rock I will build my called-out assembly. What Christ was going to build was not an edifice made of brick, mortar, stone, and wood was a spiritual edifice of people who responded to a call, the call of the gospel. In this broadcast, we will note four facts about this call, but before we do, we must briefly say something about what this call is not. Calvinists, those religious groups who are adherents to the doctrine of John Calvin rather than to the doctrine of the apostles in the Word of God, tell us that this call to be a part of the called-out assembly of Christ's church is made only to a select number of people in the human race. According to Calvinists, some have been called to salvation while others have been called to damnation. This is the denominational doctrine known as limited atonement that rests upon the shifting sands of unsound scholarship. It is absent from the Word of God, but it is an important tenet of the Westminster Confession of Faith. According to this Confession of Faith, that is, followed by those who have denominated themselves from the church that Jesus built, God has the power and the authority to grant His saving grace to all mankind, but He has not elected to do this. Here is what the Westminster Confession of Faith actually states, Quote, By the decree of God, for the manifestation of His glory, some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others foreordained to everlasting death. End of quote. Now listen to what the Bible says. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Romans 2, verse 11, Paul wrote, There is no partiality with God. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 say, God our Savior desires all men to be saved. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, wrote Peter in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Among the final words written in the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17 states, Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The message of the Bible is that all men, no one excepted, are invited and encouraged to be a part of the called-out assembly of Christ, 
the church that Jesus built. Now let us consider in brevity what is encompassed in this called outness of the church. First, we notice that that from which the ecclesia has been called. The scriptures tell us that the church that Jesus built has been called out of at least two things. First, she has been called out of darkness, spiritual darkness. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Second, according to Apostle John, the church that Jesus built has been called out of the world. He wrote in 1 John 5, verse 19, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What both apostles Peter and John are saying is that the church that Jesus built has responded to the call of the gospel of Christ to be part of the called out assembly of Christ by being called out of the world of spiritual darkness where lives are lived in disobedience and rebellion to the will of God. If the church that Jesus built has been called out of something, and she has, then the church that Jesus built must have been called to something, and she has. And so here is a good place to consider that to which the ecclesia has been called. Consider what the Bible says concerning to what his church has been called. She has been called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ, to God's marvelous light, to inherit a blessing, to the grace of Christ, to liberty from the Mosaic law, to be saints, to holiness, to a prize, to glory and virtue, to God's eternal glory, to a vocation, to one body, to eternal life, to the kingdom and glory of God, and to be sanctified for good works. Ladies and gentlemen, the church that Jesus built has been called to many things and to be many things. The idea that the church that Jesus built has been called out of the world of spiritual darkness to sit and do nothing, to sit and be nothing, to sit and expect nothing is absolutely foreign to the Word of God. But as long as the called out assembly of Christ the church that Jesus built lives and acts as if she has been called to an oh hum religion rather than to an amen, praise the Lord, glory, hallelujah life. It is not surprising that so few are influenced by or motivated to answer the call of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the church isn't excited about answering the call, then why should the dark, unspiritual, lost world? The church must wake up to that which she has been called before the world will note the wonder and majesty and glory of the call. Now that we have noted from what and to what 
the church that Jesus built has been called, the third fact worthy of our attention is that by which the ecclesia has been called. Holy Writ tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, that we have been called by God. We have been called by the Lord, it says 1 Corinthians 7, 22. Romans 1, 6 says that we have been called by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, according to John 16, verses 8 through 11, has called us. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, that each person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is active in the universal call to the entire universal human race to be a part of the called-out assembly of Christ, the church that Jesus built. Each member of the Godhead makes his call through the gospel. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 14, that God called you by our gospel. It is through the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that men, women, boys, and girls are called by God. Nowhere in Holy Writ do we read that in these last days God extends his call in any other way except through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He most certainly does not call people through visions or dreams or experiences. In Acts 8 verse 4 we are told that the disciples of the first century who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, not persuading people to seek a sign or to look for a vision or to have some sort of an experience, but to obey the gospel of Christ. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9, that the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. His vengeance will be on those who do not obey the gospel, not on those who do not have a vision or dream or religious experience. We have been called out of darkness and the world by God, by the Lord, by Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, and by the gospel to and for a variety of purposes. And now we close by noting that for which the ecclesia has been called. According to the scriptures, there are four reasons the church that Jesus built has been called out. First, she has been called out because God loved us, even while we were lost and deceived. The verse that has been called the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16, makes this truth obvious. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul, in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10, pens these soul-stirring and heart-rending words. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, 
much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Because God loved us, even though we were a miserable lot of wretched people, he has called us to be a member of the church that Jesus built. Second, we have been called because God wants us as his purchased possession. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23, and other scriptures reveal to us that God wants each person of the human race to be his child and a part of his family of the church that Jesus built. It cannot be found anywhere except in denominational dogma that God is called the father of us all or that all of us are God's children, whether saved or unsaved. The doctrine of his being our universal father and us being a universal brotherhood of man is unknown in the word of God. The universal brotherhood of man may sound pious and it may give all of us a warm, fuzzy feeling. But ladies and gentlemen, like so many doctrines espoused by so many denominations, though it may be included in their decrees and confessions and creeds, it is missing where it matters the most, the written revelation of God. God possesses only those who have obediently responded to his call in Acts 2 verse 38, to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And the words of the Lord of salvation in Mark 16, verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Answer that call and you become one of his purchased possessions. But not until you do, are you. And then third, we have been called by God because he wants our praise for his glory. Again, 1 Corinthians six twenty says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. On the heels of saying in Ephesians 2, 8, that by grace you have been saved through faith, the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 10, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The church that Jesus built was saved for the purpose of glorifying God. He not only deserves but wants to be glorified by those who have answered his call. The fourth reason we have been called by God is closely connected to that which we just considered. We have been called by God because God through us wants his power and glory to be recognized. Every time a person is called out of the world of darkness by the Godhead through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and is obedient to the biblical terms of salvation, the power of God is manifested. The husband and wife who are reconciled one to another because of the power of the gospel causes us to stand back in awe and wonder that what counselors and others cannot do, God can. Each time we see someone lowered in a watery grave of baptism and therein confesses his or her sins not only to God, but to all those in their presence, we witness the power of God's gospel, and we see his glory at work in a sinner's life. Ladies and gentlemen, when motivated by God's love and plan for your life, you answer the call of God to come out of a world of darkness. You are then added to the church that Jesus built. There's a battle going on for the souls of 
of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenball speaking, and you have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast, brought to you by the gifts of Christians and Churches of Christ, to help us to preach all of the word to all of the world. Remember, thus saith the Lord, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. If you would like to receive a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message or be added to our mailing list for our bi-monthly Gospel Defender Journal, write to us today. All of these materials are free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at www.gospel-defender.com. ORG. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to do it right now. And now, until next time at this same time, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.